baby. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> Anyways, welcome to Recover Out Loud episode number 52. Brought to you by the Anti-Social Network. Today we have an awesome guest all the way from the UK, Tom Sanderson. How are you doing, Tom? How, how are we doing? It's, thank you for having me. Um, like I really appreciate this. And thank you for also putting up with my scheduling craziness nightmare. Uh <laughs> Hey, you know what? You know what? We got we we have to fit it in where we can get it in. You know, sometimes life happens and we just got to adjust accordingly. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, gosh. I, I didn't I didn't really look at my intro music and think Adam Cole, baby, until until we were talking prior to this. And I was like, yeah, does sound like Adam Cole's themes that he's used for the past two contracts he's been in under mm-hmm. Yeah, like honestly, I prefer this NXT thing though. Like, mm-hmm. like it just I think maybe because the boom was the bigger part of it. And it and in AEW, he's still got the boom, which we all love doing, but it's almost like it's baked in now. Yeah. It just blends in, and I'm like, oh, I I, I like the build-up because we know the boom is coming, and now it's like I'm surprised by the boom. Uh- <laughs> yeah, right. But then on 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 top of that, on top of that, you had Kyle O'Reilly with the tag team ch- titles that were just he was just going yeah. ham doing air guitar. Yeah, God, I I I miss them. I miss them so much as a, as a, as a four. And yeah, I'm sad they broke up, but also I'm happy for all of them because I think we've got Bobby Fish in Japan now. Yeah, is he is he in is he in Japan? And he's in he's, Japan and Impact. Yeah. So he's having a great time over there. Um, so yeah, I'm happy for him. But uh, yeah, I do, I do miss, I do, I do miss their uh, tag team days. I do too. I do too. A whole bunch. It it felt like uh, when they got to AEW, felt like a diluted version of the undisputed era. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, but you got to do what you got to do, and uh, yeah, <laughs> just got just got to roll with the punches, right? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, which I feel like is probably an analogy for life in general. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll get into that in a second. So, Tom, would you like to give a formal introduction of yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm Tom Sanderson. I am uh, the host of Tom Meets Interesting People. Um, and what that has demonstrated is that I'm rubbish with coming up with names because I'm Tom and I like to meet interesting people. Uh, and this is the podcast where we really dive into everyone's projects and their processes to talk about what makes them click, what gets them up in the morning, and what are the tools that they use. And we interview everyone from voice actors to nuclear engineers to SWAT team negotiators to everyone, anyone that fits anywhere in that. Um, And just tell you, how do they do the things that they do? Right. Nuclear scientist. Nuclear engineer. I've had, that was my second episode. SWAT team negotiator was the latter half of last season. I think it was episode 18, 19. I don't remember. Um, And uh, he was really cool. Terry Tucker. Uh, You'll probably get on with him actually really well. I'll I'll connect you to. Yeah. I had two voice actors on. I've got coming up. I've got a metal band. Um, I've got a horror director. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I've got uh, potentially yourself if you want to join. Um, and yeah, it's um, if you want to know how somebody does something, come come to my show. 
Right, right. You got the quite the menagerie of of guests, you know. Honestly, that's just how my brain works. Like <laughs> <bit of> everything. <laughs> I I took the advice of find your niche, and I said, "Bugger that." Um, <laughs> I want all of the niches. Um, just in time, like I want, I want to meet everyone that I possibly can. That that's, I mean, that's that's a really cool aspiration to have, and I, you know. Uh, I think it's completely possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just need to do seventy-six million more episodes, and then I get I get the population of the UK. Hey, you know, it, it's possible. It's yeah. possible. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, science, science can can in the future can can bring you back to life, and you just continue doing them. Oh, totally. I I I know there's a lot of stuff about AI, but. If someone was to say, "Oh, could you make an AI version of your show where where it's like an AI kind of like image that's created, and the AI comes up with my with my questions," I I wouldn't object. I right. think that's like super cool. But also, yeah, I know there's a lot of ethical concerns, but also that's cool. Yeah, like just an AI me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no joke, no joke. That would be pretty sick. All right, so so uh, before we get into it, the heavy topics and talking about that, yeah. your teacher, uh, yeah. Um, outside of the podcast, um, I work with students from the ages of six to sixteen, and my main uh, my main kind of area is supporting students who either can't take part in mainstream education for whatever reasons. This could be because of their central educational needs, uh, or this could be because of bullying or this could be because of the lifestyle of their parents where they simply can't stay in one place um, at all. And what I do is I provide for them uh, a curriculum in maths. And um, from there, I can either support them back into mainstream education or support them with whatever needs they have outside of um, uh, school. I also go into random schools and do after school clubs where I dress up like a complete plonker. I love it. Um, I have a big, massive wig. You can see my scientific coat that I take in um, right back there. So I just dress up as this mad scientist and I try and make maths as fun and as inclusive and as not scary as possible. And that's awesome. the costume helps. That's awesome. You know, you don't you don't see teachers go to that lengths very often. And so, uh, you know, right off the bat, I want to say, you know, you're doing you're doing really good work. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And, and you're making education fun again. Yeah, no, that's that is like the big thing. And honestly, we would have more teachers doing that if there wasn't so much breathing down the neck from Ofsted. Now, Ofsted are our regulatory body over here in the UK. I don't know what the equivalent is over in the States. Um, but they have created so many non-negotiables that many teachers to have a one-hour lesson are planning, are having to do like 12 hours of planning. And they're wondering why we're hemorrhaging teachers. Well, that's because teachers now can no longer have a social life. They have to spend at least 12 hours a day doing work every single day. And then the weekends come along and they've still got more work to do. And I'm incredibly fortunate that I'm working in the private sector. Yeah. So I don't have Ofsted to worry about. 
I'm self-employed, I'm running my own business, I can provide these services without... I hope Ofsted is abolished. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. needs to be replaced. It is not fit for purpose. I think every teacher will agree with me on that front. Um, and yeah, so I can... I'm lucky that I can pull in that extra time, but believe me, every teacher up and down the country would be going that extra mile. And they do go the extra mile if they didn't have Hofstede just being like, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> Creeping from behind behind a cabinet. What are you doing? Yeah, literally. It's like teachers want to teach and Hofstede doesn't let them teach. Hofstede turns them into office administrators. Like, yeah. No, they're teachers. That's what we got office staff for. They're, the office staff are good at what they do. They let the teachers do what they're good. And everyone works together. But Ofsted, like, no. But anyway, I'm going to get on a round about Ofsted if I'm not careful here. Okay. Okay, yeah, we don't need to get fired, all right? <laughs> okay, so anyways, it has to be challenging, you know, to be a teacher for, for MAPS and, like, and, and you know, have a, a huge gap or range gap that you're teaching uh what are some of the strategies that you employ to help uh to help uh you know bring in everybody um into your learning lessons um it really depends on the context of the session um for my one-to-one groups um that's or for my one-to-one sessions i'm really fortunate that i've already built up a rapport with each of my students so i know exactly what works for them what doesn't i literally just before this i was um i was discussing line graphs with a student who is 11 years old and um very few students like line graphs they don't like bar charts it's um it's a whole different kind of way of maths because it's suddenly like oh here's all the information you need but that becomes a certain degree of information overload uh, so what i ended up doing was slowly constructing the graph with them uh in front of them helping them pull it together so they're like ah okay that's why that word is at the top that's why the x-axis has these numbers that's why the y-axis has those numbers and then we kind of build it from there um and then it's kind of sort of what's known as scaffolding you start with the basics and you keep building up um, and you keep going up each each individual concept um, until you are able to, well, until the student's able to have mastery of it, which I hope is relatively quickly. Um, <laughs> I, I like to say it's relatively quickly and I will say that it's relatively quickly for the advertising. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all in everybody's own time, you know? Yeah, and like with uh, with my group sessions, um, that's an entirely different kettle of fish. Um, and with them, it is a balancing act between making sure everyone gets the information, but also taking the time to speak to each individual member of the group. I've got after this, I'm going to be going to see 30 children in one go. Ooh. Yeah. Um, Surprised and- you have your hair still. Yes, it's. I've I've noticed it's slowly. It's starting. I think it's starting. I just hit 30, 30 the other month. Uh, start here. Keep it um, while you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it starts with um. Well, with kind of establishing a little bit of an order, um. But also taking the time to understand what they understand. 
Uh, a lot of learning has been disrupted by COVID and things that should be known in year three or year four or year five. I think for you guys, your grade numbers are one in front. So uh, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, grade and, and whatnot. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, a, a lot of a, a lot of it's been kind of not focused on or was taught, but it's very difficult to teach when everyone is stressed. Yeah. Uh, we were all stressed right at the very start of COVID. We were all stressed uh, in the middle of COVID. We're still stressed now. I, I would definitely argue we're, we're still we're still very stressed. So it's taken the time to find, okay, what is the class's current level? Um, and what can I do to scaffold um, and just build up um, their knowledge to bring them to where I need to be? Um, fortunately, this session that I'm going to be doing next is just fun and games. And it's going to be bowling. And um, what else have I got? Bowling. I've got the Wizards game. That's fun. So that's just mental maths. Uh, I give them magic wands and hats. We do wizard jewels. That's so awesome. much fun. And um, yeah, what else do I have planned? I can't remember. I need to look at my lesson plan, mm -hmm. which is not in this room. <laughs> <laughs> it's downstairs in my bag. I'll look at it later. <laughs> but you're making you're making learning fun, and that's what's important. Yeah, honestly, that goes particularly for the primary school students. That goes a long way. But even for secondary school, so this is above 11 years old, as students are starting to mature, you can still make learning an enjoyable experience and you can still contextualize learning um, and meet the student halfway. Uh, I've got one student who's a big fan of football or soccer. Um, I'm not, um, but they absolutely love the banter that I, I bring with them whenever I will deliberately... Uh, make their team the winning team in a question. I could say, um, this is a very basic example. Um, Chelsea have scored five goals. Arsenal have scored two. What's the difference? And uh, But obviously you build it up from there. And then you can look at Premier League fixtures. You can look at, uh, you can bring in all of that real world information as they start to kind of build their knowledge. And, and yeah, con context is a big part of education, I think, as well. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I do with some of the groups that I, I do. I, I'm not a teacher. I do other things, but I'll bring in sports teams. I'm not I'm not a football fan. You know, I, I watch it from time to time, but I'm not a American football. And so I'll bring in, you know, some of the teams and, and talk about that. And it it and I not only keeps them engaged, but it, it it shows that you're caring. You're you know yeah. care, caring enough to know what their what their favorite teams are and stuff like that and and bring some light into the situation yeah because i could literally just take this book and be like okay i'm just gonna pick a random pages yeah. all right we got angles in the polygon uh the interior angle of a regular polygon is 140 degrees right down the size of the i could i could do that yeah. or i could be like okay so for those of you who want to go into the trade uh, or into carpentry Oh, well, you're going to have to be thinking about angles. You're going to have to be thinking about geometry. Uh, how do you measure the room if, let's say, you're laying down flooring or a carpet? Um, how do you give your client, if you're if you're going self-employed, an accurate quote for painting the wall um, and stuff like that? Bringing those real-world examples, and you 
instantly solve the answer to the age-old question. Why are we doing this? Uh, <laughs> that was a good voice, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah, it's um, yeah, because like kids, kids are like particularly when they when they when they get into teenage years. Yeah, um, what is the reason we are doing this thing? Yeah. Bring real world context in. Here's here's a place where someone might use it as a plumber, as 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 a carpenter. Um, if you're going into into statistics um, and analysis, well, you're going to need the data that I'm showing here with like all the charts that I'm bringing up. You're going to need to know how to use Excel. So I kind of try and make my sessions obviously age appropriate, but also have real world context, which I think is super super important. Absolutely, one hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. Uh, so let's let's go ahead and dive into it. Um, what was it like for you uh, in your childhood? Because I, I, I I've heard I've had some guests from the UK, and and I've heard that bullying was a big thing. And I know yeah. for me it was it was huge when I was a kid. What what was it like for you? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was. Can I swear? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Say what you, what's on your heart. Utterly fucking shit. Yeah. Um, it's quite efficient sometimes. Um, yeah. I was the teacher's pet. I'm sorry, everyone. Uh, I was that kid. I was the kid that reminded the teacher they sent homework last week. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for all of that stuff I did uh, <laughs> to annoy your teenage years. Um, but, but uh, yeah, I, I'm i not the prettiest guy in the world. And I was the first to get a growth spurt in my entire year. So instantly, I'm tall. So year eight, suddenly you are really tall. You're like six foot one. You stick out. Um, my teeth are horrendous. Uh, they kind of always have been. Braces haven't worked properly. I'm hoping to get some uh, sort of um, adult braces later this year. And that's instantly the start of name calling because children can be very cruel when they uh, when they when they want to get there. And yeah, I my neighbours, I was the punching bag. I mean, I was hit quite a bit. Um, I had like sort of um, when I hit sixteen, I got my moped for the first time. Guess whose moped was? taken and driven around a bit and, and thrashed around before being put back. It was mine. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so bullying in the UK, big problem, still is a big problem. Um, and but I, I think also with what I know now as a teacher, um, obviously a lot has changed. Um, yeah. It's I'm looking back now and I'm realizing actually, yeah, okay, those students did have really bad, did, did make some really bad choices, really bad actions. But now I'm older, now I'm 30, I kind of understand some of the context behind what they did. Um, for many people who bully, it is a need for attention, a need for the social interaction. And they don't get that at home. Yeah. So they kind of, it's the only way because it worked once and the brain is, uh, the brain is an organ of habit. It is going to want to do it again and again and again. And 
yeah, it takes time uh, to get through that. But uh, yeah, um, I've got to peace with that now. Yes. So that's kind of cool. And um, I hope anyone who did bully me is actually doing really well and is successful and has matured and uh, just kind of see. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like that. I, I can relate to that. You know, I well, I've always been the short one, right? I'm, I'm five foot five I, on a good day. We'll call it on a good day. Um, I'm short. Uh, I'm a little, I'm a little stocky, but I'm, I'm short. And I was never the kid that, uh, you know, that you would first glance at and be like, I want you on my, on my baseball team. You know, I was always picked last. Um, and, and, you know, moving past that, I had these massive pink glasses, man, that like my grandma picked out and she said, you're going to wear them. So I automatically got made fun of because of that because yep. I didn't live around where everybody else lived. I lived out in sticks where like you don't go. Yep. And and so that I, I literally became a target for everything that I, I did. And um, it, it was it was hard growing up. Right. And, and hard, you know, to deal with some of the bullying. I didn't deal with some of the extremes that a lot of other people did. But. Uh, I dealt with some, you know, a good fair share of, of, of that too. And I don't know if, if, if that bullying like had an, had an effect on you later on in life where, where it kind of helped usher in some of the mental health stuff, like, uh, like some depression or anxiety, but I know for a lot of people, that's, that's a route that, that took them down. Yeah. Um, I must admit the, the anxiety still creeps up every now and again. Uh, I have cancelled social appointments because of it, and I know it sounds kind of like, oh, you just cancelled an appointment, but it's trying to describe anxiety to somebody who's never had anxiety, or rather never had like an actual diagnosis of anxiety, and someone who has never had to like have it as a constant problem that they have to deal with, is we all get nervous, right? We all have nerves, and nerves typically are a good thing. They are our our sympathetic nervous system warning us that there is danger. Mm-hmm. But when that system is always active, when the heart is pumping and if the heart feels tight, when you are unable to breathe or like your breathing's really heavy, when your brain is doing a hundred miles an hour, and you're having that not just before an offense, like any like an important meeting or a presentation, which will make perfect sense to have, but you're having that just going to the supermarket, just going to the next street along. It's it's a really difficult thing to try to explain to someone who's never experienced that. It is it is literally debilitating. It it just it's like it is it can ruin your fucking life. Yeah. Um, yeah, quite frankly, um, which is kind of ironic because I've got anxiety and I have a podcast where I meet people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. But it's something that I have noticed about it. And I want your thoughts on this as well um, as a fellow podcaster mm-hmm. is having the script of how my episode is going to go, having the intro, having the questions having how I finish it, I don't know what it is for you, but for me, that's like a safety blanket. That's like a bit of comfort. And with that script, I almost feel like 
the majority, I, I wouldn't say all of it, but the majority of the anxiety does fade away. But I don't know. What's your thoughts on that? So when I first started podcasting, definitely it was uh, the the script or the format in which I my show goes uh, was definitely like my safety net, right? Like I didn't have to like venture outside of that. But um, over time, I got more comfortable being behind the screen, behind the microphone, you know, talking to people. And I've had episodes where I've just been super nervous, right? Uh, yeah. I have, I have a few where there's some famous people or some people that have a name behind them that I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. But it's really about connecting to that person on a human level, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, instead of looking at them with the celebrity status, you look at them as a human being. And that's what kind of like broke down that barrier for me was was realizing that they're just a human being too yeah. and that they have a whole set of feelings and emotions as well so that anxiety kind of kind of blew away and then uh you know the old adage you know um picture everybody in their underwear <laughs> that I, I don't really picture everybody <laughs> i'm not thinking about you in your underwear I mean, like, you know what i mean that's, it. that's a thought sometimes it's like oh it's too much all right underwear <laughs> I must admit, I have never done that. Um, yeah, I, I don't ever want to picture an entire audience in their underwear. Um, <laughs> it's like I need to bleach my eyes after that. Right. Um, right. But yeah, no, it is, it is kind of like that's something that I've, you, you mentioned there as well with seeing the person behind the, the, the name. That's something I've picked up as well. Like, I had a hostage negotiator, SWAT team hostage negotiator on the um, on the show um, just before Christmas, I think it was. I, I don't remember the dates. And I admit, I was intimidated by him. Uh, he's a scary guy. Well, okay, he's not actually a scary guy. He's one of the <laughs> nicest people I've ever met. He is utterly, utterly lovely. And I highly recommend you check out his episodes and check out his work as well. Um, but yeah, I was like, Oh, this is a SWAT team member, <laughs> and my brain make your brain takes that cognitive shortcut. Yeah. And as I spoke to him, he was like, "Ah, no, this is just a human who happens to have a really extraordinary job. Um, not doing it anymore. He's retired since. Um, and he's yeah. now battling cancer, um, which he's winning, which is absolutely That's awesome. awesome. Absolutely what we want. Um, but by the end of the interview, this wasn't." Terry, the SWAT team negotiator, this was Terry, who I now have a human connection with. Yeah. And this is now someone who's a friend. So, yeah. yeah. I, a, lo a lot of people used to look at me and, and get intimidated because of the beard, right? Because most yeah. times you, like in media and, and Hollywood movies, whatever, you see the person with the beard and you're like, they're, they're the intimidating person. They're the one that's like, you know, the overbearer, the, the Viking. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm Norse pagan, but, yeah. uh, you know, they're, they're the intimidator. Whereas like, I'm a big teddy bear, dude. Like I'm yeah. super nice, super chill, really relaxed. And so people like on that first glance, they're like, oh my goodness. Dude with a beard, scary. I'm like, just calm yeah. down, calm down, calm down. You know, I that. actually, before COVID, um, my car broke down on the side of the road. And um, there were these five bikers that came along. And imagine the Harleys yeah. and uh, kind of like that, the black leather and the stereotypical image, massive beards. And they helped me out. 
that there was like no questions asked. It was like, oh, here's someone stuck on the side of the road. I, I see these bikes coming along, and I fight or flight is kicking in now. Yeah. And and they come along, and they keep me company until the breakdown cover arrives, uh, which was actually a fair while. Um, they make sure I'm okay, and then they go off on their way. And I'm safe. And I was like, these are meant to be the scary people. Yeah. The scary people are not scary. <laughs> What yeah. is happening? <laughs> yeah, it's a lesson learned, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so let, let's let's get a little bit more into it. Uh, what was it like for you in your mental health crisis uh, when when you were when you were coming to? Um, what sort of time frame? Are we talking about just life in general, or life, life in general? Um. So, I looking back now. I realized I've always had depression. I've always had anxiety. Um, ever since, I think, pretty much I hit adolescence. That's when they sort of came in. Obviously, the bullying didn't help uh, growing up. But I was very good in my late teens and early 20s at masking it. If you would have met me when I was 19, 20 years old, you would have seen me running around London uh, with a notepad in my hand or my iPad at the time interviewing people, uh, writing articles. Uh, I did a bit of journalism on the side uh, when I was younger. Um, you would think, oh, look, here's a 20-year-old who's got it together. Here's a 20-year-old who knows exactly what he is doing. He is confident. Um, he's approachable. All the other good positive traits that we, um, that we like in people. But if you were experiencing what I was experiencing, you would be thinking, when am I going to be happy again? You would feel my heart rate going at 120 beats per minute. It's completely, completely fast. Uh, you would see someone who, or, or, or you would experience someone who is not able to even string together a basic sentence. But I got really good at masking. But thinking about it now, literally just second, I think the masking is a synonym for suppressing. Yeah. And if I, that's not good. Don't do that. That not good. That don't don't suppress <laughs> because you can only suppress for so long. Um, and um, it wasn't until I met my current partner, John, who's um, been seven years now, uh, so twenty. 23, 24, I met him. Um, it's been seven years, six years, seven years. I can't remember. Um, I forget our anniversary all the time. Uh, <laughs> so does he, though. So, like, we're as bad as each other. Um, and he had just finished doing his degree in psychology when I met him. Um, I did my degree a little bit later on. Uh, I'll go into the reasons why my degree, I did mine in my late 20s. I'll go into that in a little bit. But, um, it was only when I met him, he was like, you know, you are suppressing these stuff, right? And for the first time, because of John, I was able to be like, ah, oh, oh, I am. I'm anxious. Yeah. I'm, I'm depressed. And then everything hit me like a truck. It's like tw 15 years of catch up <laughs> sort of hit me. 
Um, but yeah, um, when when we worked through that together, um, he did two things. Um, he encouraged me into therapy. Um, so I took what's known as cognitive behavioral therapy. I've been there too. I've been to CBT <laughs> before. I know that. I have many thoughts and I suspect your thoughts might be the same as mine. Um, and um, this is so adorable and so cute. And I should jump in the other room and get it. He also brought me an emotional support bear. Mm. Um, this cute little teddy bear. That's kind of adorable. And I realized actually in that act, what he was doing was he was reconnecting me with my childhood self and letting me start the process of kind of like not blaming my past and being like, okay, here's what I got now. Let us, you know, move on, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Let us deal with it um, as best we can, I think. So, yeah. Um, did therapy, CBT. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> CBT is a useful tool that is overused by the NHS as a Band-Aid. Yeah. for actually covering the real um, issues because it looks good on paper and it's really easy to train up someone with a degree. Actually, you can train up someone without a degree in CBT. Um, and it is, I'm not going to deny that it isn't a useful tool. It certainly is. With the right person and the right practitioner, CBT can be a wonderful tool to help someone reach a certain level of self-actualization it's a brilliant tool to help someone work through issues which they are cognitively aware of and yeah. they specifically want to deal with. But when you are someone like me, where my anxiety and my depression doesn't come from specific thoughts, it just comes from, it's here, this is what I've got. Yeah. CVT now says, okay, what are the thoughts behind that? Well, yeah. there's no thoughts behind it. It's a feeling. It happens. Yeah. And I remember butting heads with my first therapist, my first practitioner, um, over that. Because I was like, oh, no, there isn't a specific thought. This is a feeling. And a feeling that I want to not feel anymore. Yeah. Um, but from there, to give it its due, what it has done is it's taught me the technique of basically taking those feelings to court and uh, mentally sort of imagining Judge Judy is presiding over it. Um, for some reason, it helps uh, to think of Judge Judy um, calling, my, uh, calling my anxiety and calling my depression baloney. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it makes me smile. And then when I conjure up the image of Judge Judy telling off my uh, turning off my, 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 my mental illness, it helps. Obviously, it doesn't go all the way, but it helps a little bit, and it takes the edge off it, which is um, uh, which is kind of helpful, I think. Yeah. You know, you, t you talked about the mask uh, quite, for, quite you know, in, in some, some good detail, and, and you're like the second person on my show that's talked about the mask, so I really appreciate that. Um, I, I've, I've masked a lot of what I was going through, um, when I was younger, when I was a teenager, yeah. even up until my early twenties, even like into my thirties and, um, the mask is detrimental. I don't know if, if yeah. it did it for you, but it's super detrimental, right? Because for me, I know, I know when I got to a point where I was like, I'm putting this mask on 
something happened. Why is nobody there for me? Why is nobody talking to me? Right. Well, for so long, I've told people that I was okay and nothing was wrong and nothing bothers me that now something happens. I've already pushed them away. Yeah. Yeah. And people only react to what they can see. Yeah. Uh, If they see you're smiling and happy, uh, well, they just think you're smiling and happy. And yet there are so many stories of someone who has committed suicide and then being like, oh, but he was such a happy person. Like, no, that was just a mask you were seeing. And I don't blame people for, for this because this is kind of how our brains react. And you do genuinely need training to see through the masks. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of what psychology degrees are for, what counseling degrees are for, why you go, why to even think about practicing in the in the uk independently you need a master's degree um it is a very very delicate subject we also have a really big shortage of masters uh, a really big shortage of therapists so seriously if you are listening to this and you're thinking of doing a psychology degree please do it we need you um, <laughs> but we we only see what people want us to kind of uh or, or, or what people i'll try that again people only see what they see on the outside um it's like they haven't opened the book almost you just see the cover um kind of on the outside um and yeah no you're absolutely right kind of with with, with saying that is the mask that kind of um yeah then you are left in that position of wondering why is no one speaking to me i am really depressed or i'm really anxious i'm scared but nobody knows you're scared um yeah so that's uh that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you, you hit on CBT. I went through CBT a little bit. And, um, you know, CBT is one of those programs, like like you said, that that it, it, it serves its purpose. It's it's good for the right person, but it can't it's not good for everybody. Right. Like uh, it, it tries to give you this this option of like re uh, of changing the way that you think. Well, you can't really control those intrusive thoughts. You can't control yep. those those feelings or those those behaviors. So you you have or you can't control the feelings or the emotions. The only thing you can control is is the behavior that's associated with that. Yeah. So like it's it it it's a very small percentage of people that it actually helps. Yeah. Um and I'm really glad you brought that up because there is a brief second uh, in in our brain, I'm trying to remember all the stuff I did from neuroscience in my third year of my degree, and I can't remember any of it. Uh, <laughs> but there is a brief second between when our when our neurons spark and when we act. Uh, there is a brief second that we can interrupt that. That's kind of one of the things CBT is actually pretty decent at. Um, but I'm also going to highlight something as well. If you're watching this on the YouTube, um, I, I imagine um, the guide to CBT, one of the recommended books for a therapy that is sort of used everywhere. It, it's 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 not good that the recommended book is that. <laughs> yeah. It is a little pam. It's basically a pamphlet. It's a handbook, um, yeah. and it's like this is all about the therapy that you are using. I'm like. Really? But shouldn't it be like the size of those mega textbooks I have over right. there with all of the nuance that's kind of required? Um, like just cognitive psychology alone is like 400 pages. 
Yeah. Um, I'm going to pretend I read it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Tom, you read it. You're, I trust that you read it. Okay. <laughs> I just regurgitated enough of the YouTube videos I watched. Um, <laughs> I somehow got through to the degree, but yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So, you know, we, we dove into the, into that, uh, into, into what it was like a little bit for you. What was that moment that, uh, Aside from when your partner said, hey, I think that you're hiding something, not hiding it, but masking it. What was another part of your of your life that you were like, I think I need to work on some things? I think the biggest part that I need to work on, and I'm still doing it all the time, and this comes with the anxiety, is avoidance. I, it's so easy for me to avoid. And it's so tempting. And I've noticed it used to just be the avoidance because of anxiety, but it's 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 sort of in the past couple of years it's de developing to avoidance because I'm anxious and or depressed. Yeah. Um, I won't lie, there was a big temptation yesterday uh, to message you and be like, I can't make it today. Uh, I had for some inexplicable reason yesterday just the depression hit me um kind of really bad um it kind of like i was like i wasn't crying i just had tears randomly appear yeah um it, it all the hope and the, the happiness and the, the world literally kind of like to describe depression it's like you lose all motivation you don't really want to bother and the world loses loses its vividness its brightness. Um, if you'll forgive a slight tangent, there, are, there was actually a study done that people with depression, um, there's something to do with um, their retinas. It will let in less light um, while depression is happening. I need to bring up the paper and, and send it over to you. Uh, I recently discovered last year, which is kind of interesting. Um, so, yeah, um, you're literally, you're seeing the world in a less vivid color as well a literal biological response um and so this avoidance is kind of like it it has gotten in the way it has ruined opportunities for me um because suddenly you can't bring yourself to go out you can't bring yourself to connect to the zoom call or the facebook call or whatever it might be you're using and i think a part of that at least for me, I don't know what it'll be for everyone else, but a part of that is kind of like, I don't want people to see this. This is mine. This isn't to share. And at the same time, it also perhaps maybe it's just a bit of respect on my side. I'm like, I don't want to give you my problems. Yeah. You're here to work with me or to do this thing with me. You're not here to be my counselor, if that makes any degree of sense. Yeah, no, I, I completely understand, you know, and and you're right. Actually, you know, that that's crazy because I, I've I said when, you know, I, I've told people that when I when I've stepped out of that depression, it's like the world. I got the color back. Right. Yeah. In, in the world, which it's like it's like weird when it's, it's kind of like the best way I can describe it is when is in Wizard of Oz, when Dorothy goes from Kansas to 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 you know uh the land of oz and like yeah she has that transition where she steps out of the door and when she steps out of the door everything comes to life and it's like full of color and everything exactly like like what 
like like how I guess I can explain my depression and stuff like that. Um, I wouldn't have blamed you if you said, "Hey, man, I can't make it today." It wouldn't have been a big deal. I, I understand life happens and depression happens. It wouldn't be the first time, and it won't be the last. I I have noticed something though, and I think if this was yesterday, I definitely would have cancelled. Um, I would have been like, "Can we rearrange?" Um, because I I would just be a wreck. Um, but ironically, and I kind of hate this, that this is, this is one of the things that kind of pulled me out of it yesterday. Playing Cyberpunk, the board game, or the TTRPG with my friends yesterday evening, I forced myself into that. And yet, because I love Dev and Joe and Alex and Jenny with all of my heart, and they are my best friends, uh, and they are utterly wonderful people. It was that interaction with them that it was like, oh, actually, we're having a good time. Oh, I'm laughing. Oh, look, actually, my friends are here. I don't feel so bad anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I've also just found that paper. Talking about 2021, <laughs> it came out. Um, re reduced visual contrast suppression during major depressive episodes. Um, and they, um, I need to actually read this again to actually properly understand, um, what it was, but, um, brightness induction, uh, was, um, let me read this actually real quick. Ah, it's not the brightness, it's the contrast. Mm. So the contrast goes down, uh, and it's, uh, significantly, significantly lower for those from major depressive episodes than for the controlled group. Um, which is really interesting. So literally, with depression, you you are literally. It's not just a a kind of analogy. It is a genuine biological response in our eyes. Yeah, you know, it's and it. You you said that it's hard to explain to people about your anxiety uh, that don't go through it. And and for me, it's hard to explain depression. Right? Yeah. Like it's it's. I, I had to I had to explain this to my girlfriend the other day and and um, she said why are you, you know in that time why were you so sad I don't know Dude, yeah. I, I don't know you I, you you cannot just like for me I can't I can't I can't explain the feeling that came over me as to why I would sit in in my chair and stare at a blank TV for hours and yeah. just get lost right or like nothing could bring me joy nothing could bring me happiness where like everything just seemed abysmal but yet I still had to continue on my day right just couldn't explain it but that's what was happening in my body at that time and my depression changes you know and and it shifts and it and it it, it changes. Whereas like people look at me like, Oh, you're not happy. No, that's not it. I am happy, but I'm also fucking depressed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's, yeah, it, it's like communicating. This is the most difficult thing. And more often than not, I have been hit with, Oh, just do something. I'll cheer you up. Like, believe me, I want to. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's not as simple as that. Um, I have insomnia as well. They're like, "Oh, just go to bed earlier." Like, I'd love to. Nice. I would utterly love to. Um, I would. I I got lucky that yesterday because it was just such a tiring day. I just conked out at eleven a.m., eleven p.m. rather, and woke up at six today. So, like, that's actually a good a good amount of sleep for me. 
Um, but yeah, it's like we do need to genuinely, this is something I genuinely care about and I'd love to explore later on in, in, in my life as well and maybe work with some people on this. But talking about mental health communication and because we don't just need to communicate with people who are dealing with mental health concerns, but also communicating what that means to other people. Um, you might have, uh, particularly, it's going to be, if, if I could be ever so capitalistic, um, and just think about capitalism here, it's good for business. Because if your employees are, if their well-being, obviously, I, I don't I don't want to say every single boss and every single company is wholly responsible for the well-being of their employees. Uh, it's still obviously also a private thing. And there's only so far that employees uh, or employers should go. Yeah. Um, but if your staff have good mental and physical well-being, hmm. if they're in an environment where they know they don't have to mask, they don't have to um, hide kind of what they're feeling, you're going to get employee employees who are more loyal to your company because they're going to stay because they're going to want to build up what you've got here. You're going to get employees that will want to work harder for you. Um, they won't quiet quit, which is a saying that I hate. It's, 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 it's quiet quitting is just doing your job. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that, I, I, I don't like that either. <laughs> like if I ever reach a point where I have employees, like I just wanted to do the job that I pay them for. Like that's it. Yeah. Um, like I don't care about the other stuff. Just do the thing I'm paying you for. And that's yeah. why I'm paying you. Um, you're going to get employees that are going to sort of work harder for you. Uh, and you're going to get employees that are going to say good things about your company. Yeah. And um yeah, it's that invisible reputation that we all have. Um, and it will extend if you are looking after your, um, your, your, your people and making mental health at least a consideration in, uh, in sort of what you do. But yeah, we need to do better at communicating mental health. Um, I agree. Yeah, um, which is what these podcasts are for. And yes. uh, which is why you're an utterly wonderful guy. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. So, so what, what are you doing? Uh, what, what steps are you taking or what actions are you performing to help pull you out of some of those? <laughs> Didn't mean to do that. I hit my like little center thing, guys. That's a, that's great. Anyways. Yeah. I was trying to pull a hair off my keyboard. <laughs> Anyways, back to that's the first time that's ever happened. We're gonna make sure that we pull we're we're pulling the mouse off that. All right, it's no hotkeys anymore. I'm just so, glad that they that that by the time the camera came back to me, that you didn't see that I launched out of the chair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm testing I was like, I'm back, no. I'm composed, I <laughs> I know what I'm doing. Uh, I didn't end up over there. Oh my goodness. Anyways, uh, no. So, so what are some of the actions or some of the, the steps that you take to, uh, to pull yourself out of those, those rough situations? The first thing I do is I tell me, well, um, 
Now, um, this is something that has come with time and work. Um, John's been with me for a good part of my journey now. And I know I need to just say, oh, I'm having a bit of a sad. Uh, sometimes I'll use synonyms. Um, or I could just say, oh, I'm feeling really depressed right now. Um, the best thing he has done for me in all of that is not question it. Just say, okay, uh, you're feeling sad. And the only question he kicks off with is, what do you need? That's a really helpful question because it's not forcing a solution onto me. And it gives my brain a little bit of a kind of rope to hold on to, if you will, uh, which is um, kind of kind of really handy. And sometimes it's just like, I just want to chill with you. And that honestly chilling sometimes just helps. Um, sometimes it is something that I want to talk about, but I can't find the words. And I need to use John as a bit of a sounding board um, on that on that front. So, kind of John is the second brain in in yeah. this, and and he also in the relationship shares all the brain cells, um, <laughs> which is helpful. Um, and um, yeah, sometimes what I found um, that he's he's helped me out with as well is when the avoidance is kicking in. Mm -hmm. I, I need him to be my motivation, my kind of sort of like, okay, let's do the thing now. Let's do the thing. And he he can get me as far as getting it started. And I've noticed once I've got it started, I can kind of take it from there. Because like our scripts take over, I think. Yeah. Uh, kind of what we do. So that's kind of what I do in the immediate. Um, I do need to revisit uh, the possibility of getting therapy um trying to find a therapist that i it's a difficult task yeah. and um it's not to be underestimated and and all respect to anyone who is a therapist um i did think about going into into, into a career and i decided not to but you've got to find that person that vibes with you that's a big part you've got to find the person that also understands your life and your lifestyle um, for instance, I know that I have absolutely no connections to uh, Christianity. I've got no connections to Islam. So going to a therapist that specializes with people uh, from a certain religious community, not going to be helpful. No. Um, I need, I know I need a therapist who is a wrestling nerd, uh, like us two, uh, yes. who does a lot of d, &D um, who um kind of likes the same stuff i like yeah. and uh, I, I kind of find the therapist uh hopefully soon um and the last bit is money quite rightly they are paid well yeah. um quite rightly um but they charge more than i charge to teach uh, um and so it's not cheap yeah uh, <laughs> a personal trainer is cheaper yeah uh, <laughs> definitely definitely I would say for me, like, like, like finding that counselor that I found one counselor that was like, perfect. Like for yeah. me, it was perfect. And then he stopped practicing and I was like, Oh, right. So he was one, he was a veteran. I'm a, I'm a veteran of the army, uh, us yeah. army. And then 
he, he well, he was a Navy, uh, a Navy veteran, which I mean, it does, either way, yeah. he understands. Uh, yeah. He was an alcoholic, uh, and, and I, I am an alcoholic in recovery, and he was in recovery and all that stuff, and he suffered from trauma. Literally, like our stories mirrored, and I was like, yeah, yeah. you're my guy. And that's exactly the point I was making, um, because if you were to come to me, let's say uh, for, for some reason I was a potential therapist for you, I have no experience with the military. So while I can read about what people in the military go through, uh, regardless of what rank and thank you for your service, um, you for your it's, I, I cannot truly relate to what you do so you have to go even further in that relationship mm -hmm. to give me the context that i need to be able to kind of work with you and so that context is also going to include all of those bits where what are the nuances of this what are the things that you as military personnel like to talk about what are the things you don't like to talk about what are the things that are taboo? Yeah. Um, and it's it is because I could read all of the all of the information about PTSD as much as I want. I could read all the information about depression, anxiety, and everything else that comes um, as 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 a sort of a byproduct of of service. But I'm not your people. Yeah. I'm just a nerd from <laughs> Manchester. <laughs> I'm a nerd too, so it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways yeah dude finding that counselor that you connect with that you that you fit with is is very vital to yeah to to your care for your mental health um i you know if i could find a counselor that liked wrestling i'd be like hey i'm for it yeah let's do it yeah and like for me, I am considering going into my master's and potentially going on to a PhD somewhere in psychology or sociology or the social sciences. I, I need time to figure out exactly what I want to do. And if I'm going to be getting um, mental health support from a therapist or counselor or even just an advisor, mm -hmm. um, that's a really interesting role as well, where you, you don't take part in the therapy, but you're just there on an advisory role. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to need someone that understands the demands of academia. Yeah, Academia is a completely different world to the corporate world. Yeah, It's, it's not a nine to five. It is a effectively um, and things are changing slowly, um, particularly with all the strikes that are happening over here. But you're basically expected to devote your entire life to your studies yeah. for very little pay. Um. And that's not good. No. Uh, it's like the old saying, variety is the spice of life. Um, yeah. And so if I do go into further study, which I, I do want to do, I have to remember, okay, I need to get the balance of actually having a life. A bold of you to assume I have a life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also need to make sure I'm putting in the work I need to succeed in my master's and my PhD. And I also need to make sure that the therapist understands the world of academia yeah, um, and understands the culture and what is going on. And in that case, a therapist who is also a fellow service uh, serviceman 
who's been through um, alcoholism uh, would be perfect for you, but not for me. But my perfect therapist would be someone who is, we're able to talk about nerdy stuff, understands academia, understands the stress that comes with that job as well, uh, understands what it's like being self-employed, which is fun. Actually, it's a lot of fun. Um, stressful, but fun. Lots of nuance yeah. in that. But that therapist would be, might be perfect for me, but is going to be entirely useless for you. Yeah, And that's kind of like what takes... Yeah, it's... Uh... Yeah, I got, I'm going to rant about better help at some point as well. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, Tom. So before before we go, would you, uh, what advice would you give to somebody that's currently struggling with anxiety or depression, uh, and and uh, what what are some tools that you would give them to help them out along the way? Um, first thing is if you can if you can do it. Um, I know it's difficult. I know it's really really hard. I know every single cell in your body is saying, don't do this. And fear is very useful. Fear is a tool. Fear is a good companion to have. For the most part, fear has our best interests at heart. But fear is very overprotective. Uh, anxiety is the younger sibling of fear. Um, so work with that and find someone you trust that you know will give you a good reaction and let them know just let them know here's the shit i am dealing with yeah. something that i have seen have work but i'm not going to recommend it um i have seen um friends do massive social media posts on facebook and just a big post get it out there in one ripping the band-aid off and you will see how many people suddenly care because they do people genuinely care um i wouldn't overly recommend cbt unless you feel like you're up for it um you can teach yourself cbt um so i would say grab grab maybe one of the books and have a look at it before you decide if that's something you want to go down. Um, kind of read it and understand it and then think, is this a tool that's going to help me? Uh, DBT might also be something in there as well. Um, I don't know what the, what, what the service is like over in, the, over in the States, but in the UK, you can get support on the NHS. Mm -hmm. Um you can either go to your GP. Uh, everyone's got a GP. Um, just set up, set up an appointment with them. I, again, I know setting up appointments. Scary. I know. All of this is scary. Uh, but again, that's fear standing in your way, trying to protect you, but doing a little bit too good of a job. Mm -hmm. um, talk with your uh, GP. Uh, if you don't have a GP, um, which you should do, um you can also go to the walking centers um uh, they're spotted about everywhere uh, i know there's one a few miles from my house as well um they can at least guide you to the iap service uh, which is improving access to mental health um i have my things to say about them but in all in all they're good people they do want to help they're just inundated 
Um, if you're in crisis, uh, the Samaritans are the most wonderful people in the world. Uh, for the UK, I'm going to grab their number now. Okay. Let me just double check it. I should have had this prepped ahead of time. <laughs> it's okay. Um, for the UK, uh, you can either phone them. It's 116123. Or if you can't bring yourself to do that, they have a text service. Uh, text the word SHOUT uh, to 85258. Um, they will get back to you as quickly as possible. Uh, they're good people. Uh, and they're just normal people. Uh, they're not like kind of doctors with PhDs. They're not professors. They're just people like you. Yeah. Um, and they they want to help and they're ready to go. Uh, so if in crisis, they're the people to talk to. Uh, or even if you just don't know where to go, they know they have the resources um, yeah. and they can help you sort of along with that. Um, but yeah, in short... Thank Fear for its service. Um, that I found is very helpful. Say thank you to Fear because it is looking after you. Uh, say thank you to the anxiety. Say thank you to the depression and accept that they're, they're things. But tell them not today. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I hope that makes some degree of sense. It made a lot oh, yeah. of sense. That made a lot of sense. And in, uh, in America, we have 988. That's the uh, that's the mental health crisis line. Also, the, the suicide awareness line. Uh, you will get a real person. You won't get a recording. You'll get a yeah. real person behind that, and and they'll talk talk you through and try and help you out and get you to a position where you can get and receive help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So absolutely good people. good people. Absolutely. Tom, where can we find you, man? Uh, so on all of the social medias, I am at Tom Meets People. Um, I finally got round to unifying them because they used to be like all completely different. But uh, that's for Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, on my YouTube channel, uh, simply search for Tom Meets Interesting People. You'll find most of my episodes up there, including a preview of season three, where I've got a film director and we talk about how do you fund a film. Um, and I get a sneak peek of these new films as well that I get to attach on the end. Nice. And there's also my website, uh, TomMeetsInterestingPeople.com. Uh, that one is, you will see, I'm not great at web design. I tried, I tried, but my links are there as well. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, that's where you can find me. That's awesome. That's awesome. Tom, I want to thank you for being a part of the show. Sean, I want to thank you for having me. Uh, man, uh, we need platforms like this. We generally do. And uh, yeah, thanks for the free therapy session. I appreciate that. <laughs> hey, I'm not a therapist, but this was a good. It was a good session. It was a really good session. Uh, and and I'm sorry for the for the intermediate uh, bam, 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 fire on the screen. Don't worry. Don't worry. It happens to all of us. <laughs> it happens to the best of us. But anyways, I'm, like I said, Tom, thank you for being a part of the show. And everybody, thank you guys for hanging out with us for this uh, for this hour. And until next time, I hope that you guys have a great day. Much love. Take care.